Happy day, friends, and welcome to this week's podcast of In-Depth with Beth and Seth. We are glad that you are spending a little time with us today. My name is Seth Patterson, and I am your Minister for Spiritual Formation and Theater at Plymouth Church in Minneapolis, and I am joined, as always, by my friend and colleague, Beth Hoffman Faith. How are you today, Beth? Well, Seth, I am glad to be with you and glad to be with our listeners in this way. I am Beth Hoffman Faith, and I am the Minister for Congregational Care and Worship at Plymouth Congregational Church. So I wasn't at church yesterday, being Sunday. were missed, Seth. You're well, I'm glad to... You're not there. Oh, that's so sweet. I'm... <laughs> We are doing where not all three clergy are there on a Sunday to make sure that if there is any sort of COVID quarantining that must be done, somebody can still show up the next week. And this happened to be my week. And it was really lovely. It was also my wife's birthday on Saturday. So uh, it was nice to have a bit of a, a time off for birthday weekend. It was Indeed, that was good timing. I'm glad we scheduled that correctly <laughs> right? for you and your family. <laughs> yeah, I wish I could say that I had thought of that when we were scheduling it, but I hadn't. It just was really lucky. I, I listened to the sermon this morning that our colleague Dwayne preached on November 14th, 2021. It is called It's Different in Here. And it is the passage is 1 Corinthians 14, 33 through 36. And this is the second to last command to preach of this fall. That's right. Peter Eichten gave this to him. So Peter read the scripture in the first service that I watched. And he said, which I thought was interesting, he always thought Paul was sort of a feminist. And this passage being ascribed to Paul always confused him. And I kind of want to start there with you, Beth, about this Paul being a feminist thing. I'd like to talk to Peter a little bit more about that. I have to say that I I have a very strong love dislike relationship with Paul on any certain day. And there's much of what he preaches and writes that I think is really valuable to the gathered community. He was mostly writing to brand new churches or communities trying to figure out how to be a congregation together. But Paul has issues. And it is helpful to know that, you know, the texts become redacted and edited. And much of what we might question about Paul's theology and and writings may possibly not even be attributed to Paul. You know, people came in and stuck things in here and there as these scriptures were being formed. And we really don't know what the original necessarily said. So Duane pointed out that this particular passage, and I don't have it pulled up on my screen, but the, you I know, do. the pa- oh, good. Do you want to read those, those three lovely verses? I think it'd be a good idea mm-hmm. uh, to do so because it, it will, it will frame the whole conversation. First Corinthians chapter 14, 33 through 36. It says this in the NRSV for God is a God, not of disorder, but of peace. As in all the churches of the saints, women should be silent in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak, but should be subordinate, as the law also says. If there is anything they desire to know, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is shameful, shameful for a woman to speak in church. Or did the word of God originate with you? Or are you the only ones it has reached? End of reading. Yes, and I have to uh, say uh, that- uh, uh, Beth. Well- please (laughs) did you not just hear sorry that that is the one time i'm gonna make that joke because it's it's awful (laughs) it is awful but it had to be done one time 
I think a lot of things in my head when I hear that that scripture that I cannot say out loud. On this I would podcast. love to be in your head hearing those things. <laughs> well, what I appreciated Dwayne when Dwayne set it up, and again back to the whole feminist piece. I don't know. I'd like to talk to. I'd really like to talk to Peter and others who believe that Paul is a feminist about their perception of that. I'm not convinced. There are places where Paul promotes women and women in leadership in the church. But Paul was also, you know, he was a scribe of his time. He was a part of the culture, which didn't honor women. Often. He was a highly privileged man. He was a Pharisee. He was a, a citizen of the Roman Empire. He had a lot of privilege to him, um, mm-hmm. which I'm not sure what that says in this conversation, but to remember it. And the word feminist maybe is not something you can apply to somebody 2000 years ago in the first century Near East. Right. Duane reminds us that this is an example, this text of verses that may have very, very likely been added by whoever was editing the text or adding or subtracting from the text to speak directly to a concern of the time. So it doesn't eliminate the fact that this is a part of our holy scripture and the message it sends is demeaning and reducing of a person, namely me. So uh, it's easy to just ignore it, which I think is what I have done (laughs) since following a call into ministry and most women that I know just sort of shrug their shoulders and say, that's not relevant. Right. There's some meaning that can be made by the idea that it was maybe a, as you said, an edit or an addition that was put in by a misogynistic person or place somewhere in time. But there's also something about the fact that then it was kept in and then codified and held as sacred. And then there's there's a lot of people who, who do believe that the Bible, every word is inerrant and from the mouth of God. And so then that gives that some real destructive qualities to it. Um, Absolutely. Duane called this a text of terror. Yeah. And That may have been a phrase new to people who are listening or certainly people who are listening now. It's a term that is used for the the really destructive passages in the Bible that, you know, that we can categorize other stories in the Bible as texts of terror, the rape of Tamar, the sacrifice of Isaac, where one really needs to wonder where God is in the midst of those holy quote-unquote words. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I would put in the LGBTQ clobber phrase clobber texts as mm-hmm. they're called often into the texts of terror they've been used to de- destroy people right and so the fact that Duane named that and added this into that category which i think others would agree with him was a powerful piece for me as a, li- a listener and as a woman the interesting thing is that Duane also pulled in our command to preach series uh, the passage on mary and martha not <laughs> right. long ago <laughs> right so, you know, it's interesting how the spirit works and what what he has been asked to, to preach on. And in that podcast, we talked a lot about women in ministry and and um, don't think we need to repeat that. I, I What I really was struck by in, in his sermon was how he lifted up the church as being different. You know, the title of his sermon, It's Different in Here, maybe that piqued people's interest. Like, what does that mean? And he really named why and how the church should be different than the world and honoring the many voices and the collective body 
And that to me was truly the root of this sermon. And you were all often, as we joked about last week, seeking the how. And so right. let, let's work backwards a bit. What were the hows? What, what did you hear in this that you felt was a, not just the asking of the good question and framing the question, but giving a, a bit of, of the how and, and a what? What did you hear? Well, again, I think specifically to Plymouth, we could look at Plymouth specifically in terms of how are, are we different than the world as a church body? And Plymouth has a long history of honoring women in ministry uh, not only in the pulpit, but in the, in the congregation, lifting up uh, women uh, in, in leadership places. Also, just our open and affirming stance and a lot of our work around the, the marriage amendment and the inclusivity of LGBTQ community is really powerful. Those to me are hows. And, and it go, I mean, anyone who is feeling undervalued, disenfranchised in the world, there is a place at Plymouth that feels safe and holy and where people know their worth on our best days. I won't say this happens all the time. On our best days, we are that beloved community. And I thought that Duane lifted that up, but also pointed us, and this is what Duane often does in his sermons, is he points us towards the root of it all is what? I believe that the word love. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it all comes back to, to love and the irony of this passage, which really separates women out and, and leaves them out and leaves them with nothing is it follows. It's not long after, you know, his most popular writing first Corinthians 13, which is and, love is patient. Love is kind. It's not, not being or boastful, boastful or, or arrogant rude. or rude. Yeah. Yes. And so Duane reminds us that kind of love is what makes the church different and that it has to be different than the world. And it was meant to be different. Also, that that is the purpose of the church, even for those first century Christians, that that was the purpose of that spiritual community was to be different from the culture in which they lived. Right. It reminds me, I'm taking a little tangent here, but also when I wasn't here yesterday, Duane led confirmation in my absence. Mm. And what I set them up to do with him, because they had, they had not really met before, was I asked them each the week before to write down questions that we then put up all of their questions. And then we narrowed them down to, I think I gave Dwayne eight questions for them to ask him. So to, to help facilitate a conversation, but also I really wanted them to be able to, what are the really difficult questions that they're sitting with that they want to ask Duane. And the question that has come up time and time and time again in this confirmation group and was one of the questions was something like, how is it that a religion that roots itself in love can be the excuse for hate by so many people who call themselves Christians? And my understanding is a lot of these young people in their school settings, there are people who will be judgmental and hateful towards some marginalized person or group, and then justify their actions that they can do so because they're Christian. That's what they want to know. And, and this seems to fit into this conversation, right? It, it's supposed to be different in here. Right. Now, this is supposed to be a place where we don't do that, but they are so often encountering that in their lives where the Christians are the hateful ones. And it's those that have no religion or connection to a faith that are the most loving and accepting. Mm. Well, first of all, it gives me great hope 
to know that our teens are asking these thoughtful questions yes. and noticing that in our world mm-hmm. and in the church and demanding answers and in that demanding the church to be better than it is. I mean, that to me is really hopeful. And they're spot on. They're exactly right. They're pointing out all the contradictions. I agree with you in, in what you said about our, our youth. It is really hopeful. And I, I feel proud and excited that we are in a place where they can ask those questions that they, so in some ways, the fact that they're asking them shows that we are attempting to be different, that it can be different here because in this place, those questions are okay. In fact, I push them to ask those questions. Yes. And along that same line, yesterday I had the first of two inquirers classes, which is what I call gatherings for people considering membership at Plymouth. And I said that to the group that we aren't so worried about answers here. We're, we're, we invite the questions. Yeah. You know, we, we want people to be seekers and no question is off limits. No wonderings about God are wrong, that we can bring all of our spiritual self, our whole selves to this place and be in community together. And everyone has a voice. And I made that explicitly clear, you know, that we are all valued and welcomed in this space. And that seemed to resonate uh, because I think some of the folks who are participating have been in churches where that isn't true. Yeah. And I do think that Plymouth does that really well. It does make us different, that we are very clear that we don't hold all the answers here, that we we are a community of questioners, and we constantly are looking for where God is in the midst of who and what we are. And that is a powerful thing, and that everyone has a voice. I have never felt silenced at Plymouth as a woman. That's good. Um, there are certainly times when patriarchy comes into play, and I have sometimes felt the effects of that. But I also think that Plymouth really strives to make sure that we do all feel included and welcomed, and that there is a place for us, no matter who we are, where we've come from, what we believe, who we love. That's really important. And yet, I'd, I'd like to point out that while all of what you said is true, Dwayne also is not arguing that it's true. He also uses the word supposed to, or it's mm-hmm. got to be, mm-hmm. um, meaning that we are not formed. We have not figured it out at Plymouth either. He says, but the church is supposed to be different. Mm-hmm. We are not edified or made whole by a theology that denies life, purpose, and discipleship to anyone. Any word, passage, or theological approach that silences and subordinates women is not holy, nor binding. You see, it's different in here. And so I hear both the now Mm. and the need to make for future, that it is different here now, and we need to continue to live into that. Yes. And he, he said in the second service, he said that following the first service, someone actually said to him, is it really different in here? It's a great or question. Really and it is a good question. I think we have to ponder it. And I think sometimes it is yes. And sometimes we have work to do, mm-hmm. but to embrace the thought that we as a church community are countercultural, that we not only have permission, but we have, we're being commanded to be different. An obligation. Yes. Yeah. Duane in other conversations has used the phrase that it really resonates with me, that we are an outpost in the same way that an embassy in France is the United States. 
Mm. When you walk in those doors, you are not in France anymore. You're in the United States. When you walk into the doors of a church, it is supposed to be an outpost of the love of God mm. in that place. No matter what happens outside, inside, you are in the house of God. Right. And different sometimes has a very negative connotation. But in this in this context, different is good. Different is better. Uh, different is true community. I'm all in for being different, Seth. Me too. <laughs> Let's be different together. Let's be different together. That's a title right there. <laughs> well, thank you, Beth. And thank you uh, for not being silent. Um, the irony, uh, Dwayne named it <laughs> in his preamble to the first service sermon, that the irony is that when we pick these command to preach, we promised we wouldn't switch. So even though this probably was a sermon you should have preached, was not yours to do it so by the mine. pulling out of a bowl. But I appreciate you're not being silent and you're not <laughs> listening to <laughs> pretend Paul. Pretend Paul. Well, I'm grateful, actually, that Dwayne did preach it and really welcomed the message that he brought yesterday. So I would have had a little different take on it. And I believe that we were really blessed by what we what we heard, read, saw yesterday. So I'm grateful. Thank you all for spending a little bit of time with us. We appreciate you as well. And thank you to Dwayne for preaching a sermon worth talking about. Be well all. Have a wonderful week. We'll be together again in a, next week. 